Hi, welcome back to Rich English, episode two. Well, I think the basic thing is to get surrounded by English. You know, to read in English, to set your phone in English, to set your computer interface in English, and to really like have uh, English everywhere. This is Rich English. Today I'm joined by Peter Fodor from a company called AppAgent. I'll leave Peter to better explain what his company do, but they're working in the mobile marketing field. So what's been going on in, uh, in my business life? Uh, well, obviously I am busy, hard at work, trying to promote this podcast. Uh, this is episode two that you're listening to now. Um, I've already got two more interviews lined up for my next couple of uh, uh, podcasts, as well as a few ideas for doing some solo shows where I will be helping you with uh, techniques and ideas for um, how to remember your vocabulary, um, how to form good habits um, with your English learning, as well as some more uh, specific things to do with entrepreneurial business English. I've been... Uh, busy uploading uh, to different platforms to spread this podcast as wide as possible. Please do remember to give the show a good rating if you enjoy it uh, and leave me a review um, if that's possible on whichever platform you're listening to me from. Uh, you can also go to my website as, as I said richardhill.cz and you can leave me any comments on there. Any ideas you've got for future shows, anybody you would like to hear me interview, uh, anything you'd like me to describe uh, or discuss in, in one of the shows, and uh, I'm all ears, as we say. Before we get into the chat, I will give you a few of the phrases that uh, Peter and I use throughout the conversation to, again, better help you understand um, what the conversation is about. Peter talks about user acquisition and acquiring clients. These are from, from the verb to acquire, meaning to get, basically. Um, user acquisition um, is how you go about finding new users for your application. Um, he talks about getting into the flow, and he also talks about workflow. Um, getting into the flow is about becoming used to um, a particular situation and maybe getting your head in a particular space where you're feeling comfortable and concentrating. And workflow is the sequence of events or stages that a project might pass through to go from its uh, initial start, initiation, to completion. To have many hats really means that you have different roles you, you might have a role as um, the owner of a business, but at the same time, you also might take on uh, a more uh, menial task, such as uh, sending out invoices, for example. Um, so you could say I have an administrative role or an administrative hat, uh, as well as uh, my owner hat. Um, worker B is mentioned, um, I think by myself, uh, and that's, again, it's, it's the 
person who is doing the uh, detailed work so it might be somebody in administration or might be somebody in design but um, worker bees are the people who are carrying out the larger ideas Peter talks about a pool of talent a pool of talent is the number of people who are available in any given sector of business um, who might be your target uh, to take on as an employee collaborative tools are mentioned and by this is meant uh, platforms such as uh, slack trello asana or even your google calendar which is open to other people to uh, to view basically any kind of platform where you can work closely with other people in order to further your project when talking about uh, receiving cvs from people cv curriculum vitae um, from potential employees peter mentions that uh, if he sees any spelling mistakes that this is a red flag to him a red flag is a warning if you hear anything else in the conversation that you don't fully understand um, and maybe you haven't been able to google it somewhere send me a message at richardhill.cz forward slash rich english uh, and uh, you can ask me a question on there and i'll do my best to answer it peter has some great advice um, about learning english as well as growing a business and stick around because towards the end he really does go into some great detail uh, about how you can uh, work to improve your English so without further ado one of my favorite phrases uh, I think we should get into the interview so uh, I'll uh, say over to you Peter how are you doing hello, hello Richard nice hearing you again how are you uh, very well thank you very well um, so uh, can you tell us a little bit about uh, your business, AppAgent, to start with? Yeah, sure. So AppAgent is an agency helping companies to grow their user base and revenues, uh, their mobile apps and games. We're based here in Prague, uh, but operating across the globe. We have clients across, uh, you know, the whole uh, world uh, in 25 countries. Uh, so we are operating in the US, Europe, but also in Asia. We are around 25 people nowadays and yeah, are working all around the clock to become the best mobile marketing agency in the world. Fantastic. So since I first met you, the company's grown quite a lot. Uh, how, how quickly has that happened? And um, if you can tell us, how, how did you get to become App Agent? You didn't just, oh, just start this well. from scratch. Uh, yeah, well, I turn it to the point where we are today. So I started advertising business in 2006 uh, and spent nearly five years working for clients such as Vodafone or Nestle. And then uh, my colleague uh, approached me with a pretty crazy idea. He asked me over lunch, how about if we start our own gaming studio, which was, you know, really uh, a crazy thing because I turned 30. Uh, my first baby was uh, on the way and uh, we had no previous development experience 
but we felt there's an opportunity on the market. You know, it was in 2011, um, shortly after the App Store and Google Play opened to developers as uh, we wanted to be. And we felt that uh, this is something that will grow really big. And uh, we wanted to be part of that. So we started working on our own apps and games. Uh, we did it for four years and um, reached 12 million downloads. So quite a nice number even in um, by today's measures. Uh, but you know the market matured, of course, it became more competitive. And my role already back then was business and marketing. And I was publishing a blog uh, that was summarizing all our ups and downs. And in 2015, uh, we were thinking like, what's next with uh, our first business, Flow Studio. And um, at that time, by coincidence, I was approached by a couple of people, if I can help them with their Epson games, if I can be their like business partner, their marketer. So I started first freelancing, and then after a year, it became you know such a, a successful venture that I started to grow a team. And then officially in early 2017, I founded App Agent as a business entity. So, how, so that's how it started. How, how many? How many have you started that initial company? Hmm. I think that uh, the first month we were four in the office. Uh, actually, uh, including me, and uh, uh, out of these three first colleagues, two are still at the page nowadays, which is amazing, uh, and they are super like important uh, people in the whole team. Uh, so we started in four and yeah, you said that uh, we've grown a lot. I think that we have grown a bit. Uh, I'm an ambitious guy, uh, but I'm happy how it goes and how it progresses. Fantastic, fantastic. So, um, and you are obviously the founder. I mean, what, what's your day-to-day -day involvement? What, where was your main focus in the company? Hmm. That changes a lot, you know. Uh, it changes over time. Uh, as a founder, you are basically rebuilding the company every year uh, as it grows and as the like uh, uh, market evolves. Uh, I would say that nowadays it's mostly strategy and new business. So uh, you know, acquiring clients, but also at the same time, like where we are going, um, where the market is heading, and uh, how we can like get into the flow. And generally, company growth, you know, that's hiring, uh, establishing new processes, uh, helping people to uh, become experts and also more comfortable in their roles. Uh, so all of this, um, I think that I have so many hats uh, to wear uh, that sometimes I am not even aware, which I'm wearing at the moment. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I heard um, one great bit of advice a, a while ago on a different podcast, uh, probably for people in, 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 who are more at the starting out uh, uh, level of things rather than where you are. But nevertheless, maybe, maybe. Um, and that was um, if you think of yourself, there's, there's like the business guy who needs to uh, lead the direction of the company. But then there's like the worker bee who actually has to do the stuff. And when you're starting out and you're just one, two people, uh, a really useful idea this guy said was if you imagine yourself literally sitting in two chairs and you sit down and have a conversation with yourself and you say okay so I'm, I'm the boss and this is the direction we need to go in you switch chairs and then go okay so that means I need to do this by this deadline and I'm going to do this and work on it and off you go because um, uh, I've certainly felt this kind of uh, frustration at times with you you spend a lot of time working on the direction of where you want to go and then you spend less time on doing the work or you get into that that frame of, of mind of doing all the work and then you lose sight of the overall direction. Um, in terms of English, um, 
when when did you what's your english journey did you learn at school um or or have you sort of developed your english more later as you've got older um was it specifically for business what's your story that's a good question i of course started at school mm -hmm. uh so already uh, as a quite small kid uh but actually i think that i was really challenged to grow my language skills and also to use english on a daily basis when i started my own business uh, you know, if you are developing apps and games, you are operating on a global market. So you are working with um, partners that are based outside of your country. Uh, you are sometimes, and that's our case today, hiring people uh, that are not, not Czech. Um, so that actually forced me to use English uh, most of the day uh, and uh, communicate internal and externally in an English only. So is your office, is your uh, so office, is your you office really... an English office? Do you speak English mainly? Uh, yeah, yeah, of course. We have uh, over 50% of foreigners. Mm -hmm. uh, so already for like three years, we are like English only office. And there's a simple rule. If there's uh, anyone in the room not speaking Czech, we have to switch into English. But very often uh, a funny situation happens that even Czech guys are speaking in English uh, if they are alone because they are so used to it. Yeah. Uh, so it's becoming more and more common. And I think it's a necessity today. You know, if you want to grow uh, your company and you want to attract the best talent, you can't um, limit uh, the pool of talent only to Czech-speaking people. Like that's uh, basically no way uh, to grow your business. So if you look at all the startups, uh, not only here in Prague but also outside it's very common that the diversity is uh, really high and uh, very often there's a minority of locals. Uh, sometimes it's even like a strange that there's only a few local people while uh, the vast majority are foreigners. So that's also our case. Of course, it's a huge pain point to uh, get through the visa process if you're hiring outside of EU. Uh, but yeah, it is what it is. Uh, and I think it's a good thing to do. And how difficult has it been to find people who not only have got the specific skills for your industry but are also good English speakers. Has that been an issue or do you find that because people are at a certain level in their professional development, their English is usually passable or if not excellent? I think that the English is overall pretty good. Uh, so that's usually not the problem. Um, you know, in our industry, it's more about uh, the expertise, about the knowledge. And you know, generally, if you are an expert, you speak English well, then you can work from home for any company, really, like for a company in Silicon Valley, in New York, or in Beijing, like there's no limit today, especially after COVID. Uh, you can really do whatever you want. So the biggest challenge is to really give people a strong reason to come to Prague, you know, to be here, to be in the office uh, with the rest of the team, to collaborate in one place, so I would say that's the biggest challenge. And for us, English is a must-have. You know, if uh, we see even a single typo in the application, it's a red flag. Um, if we don't feel that that person is able to articulate their thoughts properly on a first screening call, again, no go. Uh, so that's a predisposition. Uh, and I think that in general, it's uh, pretty good. Uh, and um, the young generation is very much aware that uh, it's a must-have. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You mentioned COVID there. I mean, it's been difficult for everybody, obviously, different businesses. How, how did you cope with that? And was, 
you know, some people have found strangely it's actually been quite positive for their business for whatever reason, maybe not financially, but maybe they found some new system or some new way of doing things. Um, what have been the pluses and minuses for you that you've discovered over the last year and a half? Now, we are in a pretty good place in terms of what we do. Now, we are a digital business. We work for uh, digital products. So in these terms, it wasn't that bad. Of course, you know, when COVID hit uh, last spring, there was a huge panic. In our business, uh, lots of plans and, um, you know, marketing spend is driven by prediction models. Uh, and if such a major change happens uh, and people uh, are locked down in homes, um, everyone was scared that these prediction models wouldn't work anymore. So even like the biggest advertisers stopped uh, spending on Facebook, Google and all these ad networks. And for, let's say, two months, it was, you know, really, um, really frightening. Uh, that's probably the, the description how I felt back then. Uh, then, uh, with the more data coming in, we realized it's actually the opposite. You know, people are uh, looking for ways how to spend the free time they have, how to also uh, relax a bit. Uh, get uh, rid of the stress, and uh, we saw a surge uh, in installs, in revenues, and then quarter after quarter, mostly gaming companies, but also like non-gaming apps, reported uh, the record numbers. Uh, so that was going pretty well for us. It meant that we have lost some clients. We lost the biggest one that was in travel. Uh, we have uh, quite some issues to utilize the team until the fall, but since then also because the year-over-year -year growth in terms of um, activity of users uh, grew by 20%. We saw pretty much the same on the business side uh, in the second half of the year. So ultimately, it was quite positive in terms of operations. Uh, we were ready for that. You know, we are working with clients across the globe, as I already said. So we are used to calls. We are using um, um, collaborative tools that are online. So I would say that uh, that wasn't um, requiring any change at all, which is great. You know, like uh, we were operating um, pretty much the same in March as we were in January before COVID hit. So uh, what's AppAgent working on at the moment? And what's your particular involvement in that? Hmm. Um, it becomes more difficult to answer this question because I'm more detached from you know, the client work. Uh, but generally, we are designing creatives for the best companies such as Supercell and their games, Clash of Clans and Clash Royale. Uh, we are running user acquisition. For These are big some... names, aren't they, in the gaming world? I know. I've heard of them. Yeah. <laughs> These are the dream games, you know. Uh, some of our team members are hardcore players of those. And when we signed the deal, we were like, super excited. The same goes for Rovio and Angry Birds, which is uh, you know, an IP that uh, most of the people, even uh, non-gamers know, uh, thanks to their movies. So that's also our client. And we are also running user acquisition, helping with data. Uh, so that's in general what we do for, for clients. What I'm doing, um, hmm, uh, in a nutshell, building a team, <laughs> uh, building a structure and processes and fixing things uh, that are related to growth and uh, to you know testing some uh, new setups and uh, defining new workflows. Uh, because that's necessary when you are turning the size of 20 people, you are really growing from a small company to a mid-sized company. And the dynamics changes, um, the way how you manage the company also needs to evolve. Uh, so this is quite a challenging time and you need to do it 
fairly quickly, you know, because uh, if you get stuck at this size, uh, the overheads, the need for management, and uh, it's like processes implementation that takes quite some time, therefore resources and money. And if you don't grow quickly enough beyond this point, um, then you will face lower profits and generally like it's not the ideal size of the company. You need to be either like smaller or bigger. So we want to grow, I don't know, to 40, maybe even 50 people where these things that we are building today uh, will uh, really bring you know, the positives and the effectivity we hope for. Uh, so now it's quite an intense period of company building for me, uh, but I believe uh, that having strong foundations will pay off in the long term. What is the role of English in the future of your company? Hmm. It's a communication language. Uh, so uh, we are also investing into um, like English learning uh, when we have you know newcomers that are uh, not like on the level as the rest of the team. So that's like critical because it's not only about like that it sounds better. It's also about the fact that you can express yourself better, you can provide better feedback, or you can better understand uh, a brief. So it's absolutely critical uh, to have decent level of English for us. And um, if you look outwards, uh, it's about like a professional communication. You know, like we are competing with companies that are based in the U.S., Canada, um, U.K., Germany, and in these terms, um, we have to present ourselves in the same professional manner as we are like native speakers. Um, we have to like avoid any like mistakes and grammar issues on our website, in our proposals, cost estimates, uh, in the way how we speak to prospects on calls. Uh, so I believe, you know, this is alpha omega from how to grow and how to um, like get some stable position on the market. So to say, mm -hmm. uh, and your your biggest challenge? Do you feel as a company going into the future? Hmm, that's a tough question, Richard. Biggest challenge uh, in general to be able to adapt quickly. Uh, the business we are in is evolving rapidly. Uh, really, you no know, things that we are facing today uh, weren't here a year ago. Uh, there are changes in uh, you know approach to privacy by Apple, and that will be followed shortly by Google. That's having a huge impact on our work. Um, That's usually the, the way it works, isn't it? Apple do it first and then Google follow, I think. Yeah, of course. <laughs> you know, uh, Apple is using this as the like, selling point. Uh, the privacy theme is really a like, big thing for them, and I think it's partially marketing. Uh, but uh, it's something that we have to uh, somehow accept and adjust to it. Uh, so that's um, like one thing. And second, that also... Um, the role of the agency evolves over time. Uh, I believe that uh, um, we'll be much more needed for strategic questions, uh, for strategic decisions, than um, just because of providing more bandwidth, um, providing like hands to, I don't know, design ads or to run campaigns. Um, and that's because um, these like basic things become commodity. And if you really want to be on top of things, you have to move from this basic stuff that could be easily replaced by a freelancer or it's even replaced today by machine, by algorithms, by Facebook and Google itself, you know, when it comes to, for example, targeting of ads and relevancy. 
so we are really like shifting also our offering to uh, more strategic um, um, services and uh, the number of consultations and audits and like strategic um, uh, projects is growing. So that's where I believe uh, we should be heading as well. Uh, I mean, I presume you, you, you talked about the uh, English within your company of the constant uh, uh, improvement. Um, what are you personally um, doing? I, um, I, you always struck me as the kind of guy who is always looking to, to keep improving your English as well. That is something you're still doing. How are you doing it? And, and then finally, um, what advice can you give others who are... Um, maybe not quite in such a successful position as you are, but are wanting to to build something, and they know that English is is absolutely necessary. Hmm. Well, I think the basic thing is to get surrounded by English. You know, to read in English, to set your phone in English, to set your computer interface in English, and to really like have uh, English everywhere. That's what I'm doing. Uh, like a as a, as a first thing. Second, to um, listen and repeat. Something you recommended me back then, uh, to listen to podcasts. And while I'm driving home, I'm trying time to time to repeat uh, the speaker and to reach that like tone and fluency, which is obviously my biggest issue. Uh, and I think that's um, more or less the same for everyone from the Eastern Europe, you know, Russians uh, and and people who are not that used to like connecting words together. Uh, so that's obviously my biggest challenge still nowadays. And uh, what also helps my written English is uh, one little tool uh, called Grammarly. And uh, the huge benefit I see in Grammarly is that it's uh, giving you real-time recommendations on how to improve your email, for example, or written document. And for me, this is know a way how to go through dozens of learning cycles every week because every week I'm making mistakes and every week I see these recommendations to add a preposition to change this to for that and I see that I'm really getting less and less recommendations by Grammarly over time uh, so it feels that the volume of um, um, like recommendations and, and uh, um, like changes I have to do is really like getting under the skin now yeah so try it, it's all free uh, in some basic version. Uh, then of course uh, you can pay for more advanced um, uh, version of Grammarly, which I don't think is necessary, at least uh, for beginners. Uh, so that's my little hack. Fantastic, yeah, I'll just add there, uh, there's a, um, an add-on I've found, which I think works with Firefox or Chrome, I can't remember. Uh, it's called ReadLang and there's mm -hmm. several different languages you can choose to convert between. You start off by telling it which language is your native one, what your target language is. And then basically, if you're reading any website, uh, you can just hover the mouse over a word and it will automatically show you that word in your own language. Now, of course, it's not foolproof mm -hmm. and, you know, Google translates only as good as it is, but it's improving. Uh, but it seems to be pretty good for me when I've been uh, trying to uh, trying to learn a little bit of Czech which uh, nice. I, I don't do as, as often as I should, but, you know, uh, so, yeah. <laughs> well, um, is there anything else you want to add, um, including um, if there's anybody out there um, who wants uh, some kind of mobile app marketing, uh, they want to come and uh, find you, how are they going to do that? 
Well, they can find me on LinkedIn where I'm almost constantly or drop me an email at peter at appagent.com. Fantastic. And the AppAgent web de- website is appagent.com. Yes. Fantastic. Excellent. Um, any final thoughts? Hmm. Don't be scared. Uh, don't be scared to speak with people. You know, when I started at Flow Studio, I had several times a week calls with um, some ad networks or partners. And yeah, it was frightening. Uh, it was always like stressful. I felt exhausted by the end of the day. I still feel today when I'm speaking eight hours a day yeah. English, um, but uh, that's a toll of not being a native speaker. But I think uh, unless you really force yourself to speak and to go out and uh, use English actively, you wouldn't improve. Yeah, that's brilliant advice. Thank you very much, Peter. It's been marvelously interesting for me. Um, I hope you had fun. And uh, I hope we can do this again in the future sometime as well. Thanks for having me and have a good one. Cheers. So thanks again there to Peter Fodor from App Agent. Um, anybody who uh, might be interested in their services, as you heard, can go to appagent.com. You can find out more about their services there. Just to give a quick recap on a few of those uh, phrases that were used, uh, there was acquiring clients and user acquisition, to get into the flow and uh, talking about workflow, to have many hats, being a worker bee, collaborative tools, things like Slack, for example, and a red flag. Remember, that means a warning. So, that's the end of today's show. Next week I'll be back with a solo show and I'll be talking about how to remember vocabulary and I'll be giving you some more specific entrepreneurial business English vocabulary to go with it and some ideas to help you uh, to remember better. Okay, that's all from me for today. Again, please remember to uh, like, share, rate, review, all of the above and that'll help us uh, Uh, in the ratings it'll get us out to more people and uh, the more people we get to the better I can make this podcast and the more useful and the more interesting um, we can uh, all work together and hopefully bring ourselves a brighter future why not okay all right so take care I look forward to uh, seeing you next time although I don't see you because it's a podcast anyway bye-bye for now Rich English.